All year round, Frontier Home Products and Design has what you need to make your home comfortable and beautiful. Relax on a new Timber Tech Deck, designed by Frontier's experts. A new fireplace from Frontier Home Products Fireplace Gallery adds warmth and serenity to any home. Beauty and versatility at Frontier Home Products and Design Center, 4213 Peachtree, 5th, next to the Bayfront Highway. Frontier Home Products and Design Center. Discover a new frontier. PA contractor number PA039007. Jody Crumpy, director of the Erie City Mission Thrift Stores and Donation Center. When you shop at one of our two thrift stores or drop off items at our donation center, you are providing a meal. You are housing a man in our shelter, helping men and women overcome addiction, and giving our inner city youth an opportunity to learn. I want to thank you for making a difference. This is our city, our mission. God bless you. Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. We are glad to have with us here for his monthly meeting, the county executive of the county of Erie, Pennsylvania, Brenton Davis. Brent, good to see you, sir. Good to see you. Glad that you're here. Busy week, busy month. Um, let's start with what we left off with yesterday here on this radio show, and that was about the airport. We had a big conversation with the the board president of the airport authority, James Grunke, the CEO of the regional chamber, and your uh, main economic development guy, former mayor Joe Sennett, and... Uh, then in the paper this morning, Jim Martin has a big, big article about this million-dollar fund. I would love to hear out of your mouth, what is your thoughts about the airport? How important is it in economic development? This is right in your wheelhouse, Brent. So, I mean, it's everything. You know, I mean, you look at efforts of Visit Erie, and we spend hundreds of thousands of dollars every year trying to get folks to visit Erie. And, I mean, to me, I would call it a, more of a suitcase community you know, where folks can drive in, bring their suitcase, drive home, mm-hmm. you know, but that, that air piece is the missing piece in terms of true economic development. So, I mean, if you look at any external investments, so we've got a convention center that should be doing a heck of a lot better than what it is, but who wants to visit? I mean, I know all the conventions that I have to do for this job. I couldn't imagine getting on a plane, landing, getting my luggage, then having to rent a car and drive another an hour and a half just to get to a convention. You know, that's not convenient. There's no convention anywhere that's going to consider that. So, I mean, you know, you look at the tens of millions of dollars of investment of the convention center, we have a gem. You know, it's under leverage. But then there's the other aspect in terms of business. It's the same story, whether it's salespeople, whether it's customers, whether it's clients, whether that's just simple access to the market. University students. University students. You know, we've engaged all these folks from all different angles. And you don't want to have to drive 90 minutes to get anywhere. You want to get on a plane, take a quick little Uber, and you're where you need to be. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, it's it's a major challenge for our community. You know, so to me, that's why I told uh, Joe that this was a – Priority. This is his number one priority that I've assigned him to really take the lead on this in terms of economic development, to have the conversations, to make sure that our hands are on the wheel every single day 
moving this issue forward, you know, collaborating with the entities that we need to collaborate with, you know, putting the best foot forward for our community. I mean, without air service, we're not going to be connected to the world in the ways in which we need to be. And mm. this is crucial. The, uh, you know, you, you are a Republican. This this concept of of public money going to private concerns, the, is, there a, is there tension there? So, I mean, I guess to me, I have to elaborate on that. So you take public money. It's not a private concern. I mean, to me, this is 100% a public concern. I mean, our, com- our economies are interconnected. I mean, whether you look at the public sector, the private sector, whatever, you know, as the chief elected official in Erie County, I mean, I'm responsible to make sure that businesses thrive. You know, I'm responsible to make sure that families can earn a livable wage. You know, there's a lot of things that might not be written in the home rule charter, but I guess to me, that's the lens through which I view the county executive's office. You're responsible for all that happens or fails to happen, whether it's written in that home rule charter or not. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to me, somebody has to take the leap. And, you know, obviously the private sector, I think they're more than willing with the folks I've talked to and the different CEOs and the businesses that are that are willing to step forward to contribute to this fund. You know, I think we have a lot more work to do in terms of strategy and uh, just to be fiscally responsible. I mean, the government can't be the answer to bail everything out. But I think there's got to be certain investments. And, and that's, I think, in the private sector or the public sector alike. You have to spend money to make money. You have to be willing to invest in yourself whether that's an education, whether that's a new piece of equipment, whether that's expanding a building. You know, we've got to be able to make those investments and you look at your competition. If they're investing and they're evolving and you are not, you're getting left behind. And that is precisely what has happened over the decades in Erie. It happened in the manufacturing sector. You know, you look at kind of how things started moving towards automation, technology, overseas labor, you know, offshoring and things of that nature. Well, Erie has done what Erie typically does and we cling to the past we cling to the familiar when other communities have been daring that have been daring enough and had enough courage to re-envision what tomorrow can look like you know they took those leaps it's places like Indianapolis that made a giant leap and Erie we're a little late to that show and I think we're up to the task you know I think people now realize that They've seen the same old song and dance for decades and realize it's a managed decline. Mm-hmm. Well, now we have the potential to turn the corner. And I think we're ready. I mean, people are finally ready to invest. And there's always going to be naysayers no matter what you do. And I've learned in this job that you can't please everyone. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you know, I just have to make the decisions and make the investments in where I believe this to be the ultimately right place to do it. Be specific. Where do you think this million-dollar fund that uh, Jim Martin was reporting about this morning? Where's that coming from? Uh, you know, are there buckets that so, you could tap into? So I think it's the million dollars is probably terribly low in the grand scheme of things. Okay. You know, um, I mean, it's got to be a multi-year investment. You know, there's got to be incentives when you've got other, and, and this is a straight business decision for these airlines. You know, if you can go somewhere and you make more money. Well, it's a no-brainer. Of course, you're going to make those investments in places where you can make more money. You know, so that's that's the reality. There's a lot of these communities that have guaranteed line items, whether through the state or casino gaming revenue or whatever it is, that they can generate those guarantees for those airlines to essentially subsidize the landing fees, subsidize their overhead. and And that's the reality. This is a business model. This isn't, to me... I think to the layperson on the outside looking in that might not understand the inner workings of the airport, and now that I've taken the time to kind of delve down 
into the numbers and the operations. Sure, there's things we can improve upon. And, you know, mm-hmm. we've impressed that upon the director of the airport and the airport authority. These improvements need to be made. You know, we need to be a little bit better at what we do. But, you know, I don't think it entirely involves mismanagement like the layperson thinks. You know, everyone knows it's no secret. I'm very critical, you know, of different government operations. And that's why I sought this office. So we do need to make those investments. But what people need to realize is that there's dozens and dozens and dozens of airports across the country that are experiencing this exact same thing yeah. due to the airlines rescaling themselves. So, I mean, this is a change in, in the market. It's a change in their business model. And we've got to adapt and overcome. I mean, there's not, no two ways about it. If we don't adapt, we get left behind. Uh, let's grab our first phone call. Hey, caller, you're live with the county executive. Go ahead. Hi, thank you for taking my call. You got to pick up the phone, sir. I'm sorry. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I just want to say that word has it that uh, um, the county executive is the most powerful person in Erie County. I just want to know if Mr. Davis could verify that, please. All right. I'll I'll have him answer off the line. Thanks. Uh, are you the most powerful person in Erie County? I thought I was. Well, I don't know. I, th- I think we, we all have our star power in our <laughs> we can, own. We could do an arm ways. wrestling match. Yeah, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm crippled in my left arm. I'd be willing to go right handed. But uh, you know, just holding holding the top elected office. I mean, that's the yeah. reality. You know, I mean, I, I think I don't there's, know different, what else pow- there's there, different there's, there's power there's different power structures, isn't right. there? Care, Care Bear power. You know, there's all kinds. <laughs> I like that. You know, <laughs> you know. Um, Give really great hugs. I don't know. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, the 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 issue of the of the airport is vexing for most people because, and again, after my interview yesterday, I heard it all the the, the last hour of like we spent a hundred million or whatever. You know, I mean, there's been a lot of money spent out there, and to see the actual service decline. Uh, but I reminded folks that even at our peak, like you know, let's say we were in Pollyannaville, we our employments were like one hundred and seventy thousand a year, and we were still losing significant, maybe over half of the market to the three other the three other markets, right? In fact, when I'm when I'm pricing, I also include Akron Canton because sometimes you can pull off a, a a cheap flight out of Canton. But anyway. I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of folks look at all four airports when they're when they're pricing a plane, and when I think anybody does. So I mean, so the thing that I've really impressed upon the airport authority is, you know, I came up and I was sitting there saying, like, we need to focus on no frills and just flights. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that is really, I mean, we need to be the Sam's Club discount stop for flights, and whether that be. We lower the landing fees, free parking, whatever it is. But, I mean, obviously, when you eliminate line items from your revenue, you've got to figure out ways to make it up, and you've got to subsidize that through the government. I mean, there's just no two ways about that. You know, so, I mean, it's critical. I mean, we've got a lot of work to do. I mean, I think it can be done, you know, but, I mean, it's. I think this fund is the step in the right direction. Otherwise, we're going to continue to lose flights. We only got one airline left. Do you think that the state will help out? Are you lobbying the state? So, I mean, we're looking at this. I mean, you know, we've had conversations. I mean, Mike Kelly, Dan Laughlin, and mm-hmm. I, you know, we all went down, the three of us, and had a, a, a sit-down meeting with members of the board and the director. And, you know, we're, we're coming at this from all different angles. You know, we've got the state delegations, you know, across the aisle. You know, I've got Joe Sinnott that's, you know, worked directly with uh, – 
representatives um, Mursky and Harkins and you know we've got to come at this all different directions mm -hmm. you know anytime I get the governors here I mean surely the airport and the port are my two main areas of concern that the state I think can be of most assistance you know so I mean any well, opportunity it, we mentioned yesterday about it seemed like we were losing on every transportation mode it took you to go down to open up the intermodal so that people could sit down while they're waiting for their greyhound you know and that's i mean that, that's just an example of you know two entities getting together i mean that was jeremy peterson over at emta and myself mm -hmm. coming together you know working out a deal you know we've already got a security guard down there at the library if that's what it takes you know we, we've since uh invested and in taken over congressman kelly's office i was able to negotiate and cut that lease in half wow. you know so i saved taxpayers half the money and i took it over for our new veteran services office so that's going to create an anchor tenant there some traffic there to hopefully stabilize the emta building put a put, put a more prevalent government presence there and uh you know it's two entities working together to solve a community problem I and mean, that's that's what good governance is about i mean sometimes it's not about complicated answers it's rolling up your sleeves just figuring out the how and coming up with the uncommon solution and i mean that's one example how you know county government and the emta work together let's keep moving here brent um the uh we talked about the airport uh i want to talk about this position that you've ensconced the former mayor joe senate in he he left a, a position out in cleveland heights to come here what is your vision for what uh, mayor senate is going to be doing you know, I mean, I thought Joe was a great pick. You know, it kind of happened a little by happenstance. You know, we got to talking at a gun raffle, and I just told him I was looking for a new director. The previous one just didn't measure up to my expectations, and I'm not going to waste taxpayer money if you can't deliver. You know, I run government much like the private sector in that sense, like it's my own money. And, uh, I never thought in a million years he'd take a big of a pay cut as he did. But, I mean, ultimately, that's what you do. When you care about your community, you want to be at home, you know, we discussed it. You know, he came on board. And really my vision for him, it, it's, a, it's a perfect match because, one, you've got a bipartisan effort. You know, you've got a Republican and a well-named Democrat, a, a very experienced Democrat that understands the economic climate he understands the stakeholders he has the relationships so i mean to me and, and he's got a legal background mm -hmm. you know he's a chemist by trade became a lawyer then became mayor you know so i mean he's got a very very versatile background you know much like all my directors do you know you choose the best person for the job po politics aside but i i think it's really strengthened erie county's position from multiple levels i mean take for instance during his time as mayor uh, the new secretary of DCD, Rick Seeger. He was a mayor. He was a mayor at the same time as uh, when Joe Sinnott was mayor of Erie. Gotcha. You know, so, I mean, you've got those relationships that have developed and gone down the track. You know, but just somebody that understands governance. Mm. You know, has, has sat in the seat, has experienced many of the same things, dealt with many of the same people, you know, and it's not somebody that comes from outside that doesn't understand the the political landscape or the economic landscape. And to me, we couldn't ask for a better pick because now we're running both sides of the football field. I mean, whether Democrat, Republican, it makes not a bit of difference. You know, I run an apolitical organization. You know, you ask any of our folks that uh, sit in our cabinet, I mean, party politics aren't a part of the discussion. I mean, there's one team, one fight, 
And and these issues aren't Democrat or Republican issues. I mean, they're they're eerie issues. Talk talk to me. I'm trying to get my arms around your vision for economic development because we do have these agencies. I mean, it's the alphabet soup, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how does it work? And and what what role does Senate and his team play in all of that? So I mean, th- there's no question about it. I mean, so you compare Erie to a lot of other places, the more successful places. And I mean, that was the main issue. And I even said that during the campaign is, I mean, the county government has abdicated their economic development capacity and potential to outside entities that normally you look anywhere else in the country aren't involved in the manner in which they are. And to me, my big ro- my big goal for economic development is to deconflict this battle space, as it so to speak. You know, you've got to get, I mean, not everybody can do the same thing. You know, it's much like a clock or an engine. Like every piece, every component, every part has a function, has a role, and it has to work in synchrony or it's not working to capacity. It's full potential. So I view county government as one, government has to lead, period. Because, I mean, you look at the private sector. I mean, yes, there's influence there, you know, and you've got to allow the private sector the the freedom to maneuver and do what they need to do, and government needs to remove those barriers. But in terms of economic development, you know, controlling the public funds, controlling public investment, being able to have the sit-down meetings with the governor, the White House, or any of the entities in between. The private sector surely can do those things, but at the end of the day, they can't move the public arm. You know, so that's why we need to have that good working relationship with our congressmen at the U.S. level and our senators at the U.S. level, state, the state delegation of the state house, you know, the governor's office, our local action teams. You know, there's a role for everyone to play. And, you know, and, and that's with not only, say, the chamber, the, the private sector, or Infinite Erie, or these things. We all have a role to play. Mm. And I'm very serious about people staying in their lane. You know, that's the only way we can be successful. We can speak with a unified voice, but we've got to utilize the official lanes that we have. We can't we can't step on the feet of our state representatives and our state senators that that is their job that they're elected to do to be that voice in Harrisburg. We need to utilize them. And by entities and organizations trying to bypass and grandstand and things of that nature, is all it does is creates it creates noise to the point where the governor calls back and you know, ask our office, well, what in the world's going on with this? Mm. Or like, what is this? Well, obviously we're not doing what we need to do. You know, so I mean, that's, I, I view role, the role of the government is doing the will of the people. That's why we're elected. And that's why we hold these seats by legal lawful elections mm. afforded to us under the Constitution of the United States. You know, so th- realistically, the government needs to be that maestro. I've talked about this repeatedly. You know, we can't do everything. There's things that the private sector needs to step up and do. There's things that the philanthropic sector can step up and do. You know, and there's things that the public sector... I look at this as a, as a, as a three-legged table. You know, you, you've got to have all three, and it's got to be balanced. But at the end of the day, without government support, and without our state delegation, and without our senators, and without the support in the ear of the governor, we're falling short where other communities are getting it right. And those folks are the ones that beget investment. The governor doesn't have any time to sit there and try to figure out what in your community is real, what is legit, what's not. Like that, if they're asking questions, you've got problems. Yes, yeah, the, the gatekeeper has to come local and from the top. 100%. We've- 
Brent, I want to get to uh, the summer jobs. Uh, you're kind of retrofitting that. Uh, talk about your ideas and what's going to happen here. Well, you know, I'm glad to unveil this, you know, this program here on the most powerful radio show in Erie County. Okay. <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, the, the, the Earn and Learn program, I mean, what this is, is this is not just connecting students and young adults to just a summer job. Like good initiative, but bad judgment. You know, we need to really be deliberate with our workforce. And that includes the up and coming workforce that are soon to be. We need to cultivate that field of workers of tomorrow today. You know, we need to be looking as young as 14 to expose them to different career pathways. Like I don't want students to just come out, work at, you know, a fast food restaurant or a community center or just cutting grass like free labor. Mm -hmm. Like all those things are great. I mean, there's no, I don't think any downside to hard work, you know, and teaching work ethic, but we need to be a little more deliberate. And that was the thought process behind that. I mean, number one, a, a little four to six week job in the summertime, specifically in the inner city of Erie. I mean, the streets call these kids 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So, I mean, to give them that opportunity year round is important. I think the other part is, is that we can't subsidize everything, you know, so, so the element that we're adding to this is an employer match, you know, so we're able to essentially double our money and then some, but then I'm also putting some, some limitations, you know, we're not going to allow uh, certain employers, let's say a fast food restaurant to hire 10 kids and we're paying for their labor all summer. You're not doing that. And then if they're also already employed by you, well, they're already working. So Mm. we're not going to pay for that. So, I mean, there's just a lot of things. The key to this is given that that young adult or that kid, that unemployed or underemployed person, the leg up. It, it, it enables that employer to kind of subsidize those wages starting out to say, hey, listen, this kid's going to make some mistakes. They might show up a little late. You're going to have to show them things. Like there's obviously a learning curve to any job. I mean, we all started somewhere and none of us knew it all and we still don't, you know. But being able to help that employer be able to afford to take that extra time, to take that extra, you know, 45 minutes a day or half hour a day or whatever it takes to get this young person engaged, aligned with the organization, learning something, you know, and whether that's, you know, through other workers helping them out. I mean, there's a cost to a business taking that effort. And I think any small business owner knows hiring an entry-level worker is very difficult. And it's, it's becoming more and more difficult is it's harder to make payrolls. It's harder to do these things. Like you want to pay somebody what they're worth, but you also need to get that return on your investment. So this is kind of that happy medium. It's, it's, it's ways that we're able to take something that had an okay foundation, strengthen it, and build onward and upward with it. Are you still uh, uh, keeping that? There was a soft skill piece so that was kind of like an entry-level so, training so that's, there. So that's still there. Okay, you know? gotcha. So, I mean, these yeah. students, I mean, the, the, the goal behind this is to really meet the kid or young adult mm-hmm. as they are where they are. You know, so, I mean, some, some are going to come with some job experience and some work experience. You might be able to employ them. Some of them might go and fail miserably and, you know, pop off at the mouth and do things that young kids are going to do and go, okay, well, in the real world, you just got fired. Mm. You're fired here. But you're going to go back to GCAC. You're going to take these soft skills. We're going to teach you. These are the X, Y, and things. Let's face it. Not every kid has that positive role model in their life. Not every kid has the mom and dad that are there to reinforce that. 
you know, so that's what we're looking to do is if we can catch these issues earlier on and maybe expose these young kids, young adults to that mentorship and show them that there's a pathway up that economic ladder, then Mm -hmm. this is how you do that. And exposing them to people that have already done it or maybe came from similar backgrounds and were able to overcome those odds. So one of the problems that we were having in in the most recent year is that the summer jams wasn't able to pay enough to match some of the wages that are out there. How are you guys dealing with that? With so I mean, program? that's with that as part of that employer match. Okay. You know, I mean, obviously the thing about it is, is you want to start them out a little lower. You know, you can't have the expectations that you're showing up with no skills. You don't have any soft skills. You've never had a job. Like you've got to keep these expectations realistic, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, and again, we can't, you know, subsidize something to make a kid make say 10 or $12 when let's just face it, you're not worth 10 or $12 yet. Mm -hmm. You know, there's got to be that investment, but then we also have to be mindful of what we could cause in the labor market by subsidizing free labor at a going rate, you know, it's going to put that unreasonable expectation in that student's brain that for X amount of work, I should get $12 or $15 an hour when realistically, that's not even close to the effort that you would need in the private sector. So, I mean, there's, there's challenges with developing a workforce and anybody that's ever hired a young kid off the street or young adult with minimal work experience, it's a challenge. So it's an investment, I think, long-term, you know, even for fiscal conservatives like myself saying, ah, I don't really like the government subsidizing things, but you have to look at the long-term return on that investment. If we can catch this individual now and get them gainfully employed and, and realign them early in life to where they don't become that next person in jail in the court system, you know, unemployed on public subsidies for decades, there's a huge cost savings there. You know, so, I mean, there's many benefits, but I mean, ultimately just the quality of one person's life you know, if that was my cousin or my brother or somebody that was in that situation, you'd hope that they would have those opportunities. So I think it's just, it's more about providing opportunities for individuals to learn how to work, to learn how to do what they need to do and how to be successful as an adult in life. And that's what that, that learn and earn program is about. It's giving them real world experiences with real world expectations, but you know, there's a little public sector training wheel in there to keep them, yeah. you know, from having catastrophic failures along the way. Sounds cool. Uh, let's let's uh, pivot to your relationship with council. I, you know, as you're talking about your vision for economic development, it occurred to me that not everybody is is um, you know digging what you're laying down. If you know what I mean. I mean, it's like. Uh, you have you have a split council. In fact, it, it is a Democratic majority, although uh, oftentimes it goes four three Republican. Uh, how how are things with council with you? Well, I mean, I mean, first off, I mean, I'm 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 happy with the uh, relationship that I have with the most powerful council in Erie County. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's what they do. Uh, I, I would say a lot of times, I think the local media. I mean, specifically the Times News writing the crap that they write. You know, a lot of times it's skewed. I mean, it's not as tumultuous as people make it out to be. I mean, what it is, is you've got, you know, five members on council that are tired of the general media's garbage and just choose not to comment. They choose to weigh in with their vote. They're not about the media circus. They're not about 
grandstanding in council chambers to turn a what should be a 45-minute meeting into a two-hour two hour dissertation on the same single issues. What this comes down to is you got two members of council that absolutely have won nothing in the last 18 months, nor will they in the future. So, I mean, that's the only thing that they can do is show up and whine. You know, they can cry to the newspaper. They can talk about how life's not fair. But at the end of the day, we still have four, if not sometimes five, members of council that see the common sense middle, see the apolitical middle. And I'll tell you, like, the media just does not want to cover that. I mean, really, this is the only show that it gets talked about because we can sit here and have a free conversation based on logic and thought and common sense. You know, that's all it comes down to. It's party politics. This is simply party politics. I mean, let's take, for instance. But I mean, uh, just to push back a second here, we're talking about the two council members that represent the city of Erie, you know, where, uh, where a significant plurality of your constituents live. I mean, are, are you, uh, you're going to hate this, but are you putting a deaf ear to some of the city's issues? Well, 100% no, because, I mean, look at everything. I mean, look, look at the Learn and Earn program. Where do you think all those folks are going to come from? Yeah. You know, I mean, a vast majority, I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars in social services are spent right here in the city of Erie. Anybody that says that, oh, you're, you're creating this urban-rural divide, well, newsflash, Scooter, like, this has been going on for decades, and there's people out there, there are 190,000 people that reside outside the city of Erie, and we're about to about 95,000. The city is not the powerhouse it once was. The residents of the county are, and I can tell you, the 195,000 people the vast majority of them sitting out in rural Erie County or even suburban Erie County see absolutely zero value for the 800 and some odd dollars or whatever it is a year in their county taxes that they pay in property taxes that get ushered right into the city and squandered. You know, I mean, those folks finally have a voice. Am I ignoring the city? No, because I understand the economic engines and the drivers that'll be. But I also understand, I said I would be an executive for all people, and I've done that. You know, that's from Lake City to Northeast, down to Mill Village to Cory, West Springfield, out to Albion and across. You know, it's, that is what this is about. You know, you've got these individuals, and you'd say, well, there's, there's also two, two members of council that represent Mill Creek and the suburban city that still consistently vote common sense middle. What's good for the county is good for everyone. And, I mean, if we really want to talk about equity, we need to look at equity wall to wall. Ohio to New York, down to Crawford County, into the Lake Erie to the north. Equity means equity for all. And that's what I ensure. That is my goal. To me, I see there's a better way of doing things. And what we've been doing for the last 40 years obviously hasn't worked. You know, so, I mean, if I've got two naysayers on council, so be it. Play politics, but at the end of the day, you're not going to win. Is it is it the vote no for the no sake, or is there something there that could be developed into maybe making a better outcome? So, so I, I mean, I don't know. I'd say common sense. I would let's look at the last two no votes that have taken place. You you got Councilwoman Rennie and Andre Horton who changed his vote at the last minute on the EMS plan. Yeah, like who on earth? Votes against getting grandma on ambulance when she's clutching her chest. Well, apparently the only one that does that is Councilwoman Rennie. So if you live in her district, obviously the message that she'd be sending you is she doesn't want you to get an ambulance. 
I mean, that's bottom line. You know, I mean, and then Andre changing his vote at the last minute to realize like, well, man, maybe I probably better not vote against the ambulances or whatever epiphany he had, you know, but that's a six to one vote. You know, I was concerned about the the no votes for the veteran affairs. And that's another thing. Who in the world? Who in the world wants to vote voting against the disabled veterans? I mean, I, I can't even tell you it was too personal of a situation for an individual, but. Let's just say that there was a, an elderly gentleman that had some issues, personal issues, and couldn't make it to the facilities in time due to the constraints surrounding the courthouse. And that's really what led to this. I was like, we have so many complaints of individuals that can't come down there, that can't make it. You got individuals that, you know, have issues with, you know, weapons and different traumas and different things and, and, and a lot of people. So being able to, one, improve their parking, give them access to the veteran service office where they can pull up in front of the building and walk immediately right inside. There's a restroom available. There's a plethora of handicapped parking. And I mean, for what Congressman Kelly was paying for that office, I cut that lease in half. And then we were able to expand other offices to make it more functional for what we need with the evolving courthouse. And we've got the same courthouse. It's been the same for decades. You know, our force continues to grow, so we've got to be creative with the spaces that we have. So I elected to pursue that space. We got a great deal with the MTA, and we were able to work that out with the security and the different things and and have a very, very, I mean, for $11,000 a year or whatever it's going to, $11,000 a year to make 11000 bucks for the thousands and thousands of veterans in Erie County, and you're going to vote no against that? Who votes against veterans? Who votes against disabled individuals and their widows being able to come and have access to a space elderly having to park four and five blocks away and then worry worry about falling i've had i've had individuals come in just covered covered in salt and water i mean because they're older Mm -hmm. they slip they fall now what like to me there's a certain quality of life something that, that that a veteran laid their life on a line signed the dotted line i mean $11,000 $11,000 isn't worth that for every veteran in Erie County to have access mm-hmm. to a space. Yeah. I mean, to me, so if, if that isn't a sole political no vote, if that's not what you're doing, then are you legit voting against veterans, disabled veterans, having disabled folks having access to these spaces to get the services to which they're entitled? I mean, it's one or the other. So tell me which one it is. Yeah. I, th- I think, uh, you know, as a, as an observer, these are. I'm surprised that we're not getting the seven zero, and it, it makes me wonder if the, if you know, if the waters are so muddied that you know the it's just significant divide on, well, on man, I, I don't political think, and personal reasons. I don't think the I don't think the waters muddied. I think their positions are very clear, and I mean I think it's up to the voters of Erie County to rectify that. I mean one's a lame duck, you know. So Horton's on his third term. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Great, pal. I mean, you're not going to win a single vote from here until, you know, five Christmases from now. So, I mean, the only thing, and I would question, if I was those residents in their district, seeing my council representatives simply ruffle the feathers for the sake of doing it, you've shown you have no ability to compromise, to work with anyone, that you've ostracized yourself to the point where, how are you going to be an effective representative of the people? I mean, you put yourself on an island and you did it deliberately for what? Over politics? Because a Republican won this office for the first time in 22 years? I don't lead this office because I'm a Republican. I don't 
post a flag out front for the Republican Party. I'm the county executive for all these people. You know, and I think we've showed we've been willing to work with just about anybody. You know, if you're willing to do it legally, lawfully, and ethically, we're willing to work with you. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, this is purely politics. This is purely vendetta. It's not based in numbers. It's not based in finance. Mm. You know, and they want to cry about the budgets. Well, I mean, I saved $50,000 in just renegotiating District Justice Pizarro's lease. Moved him to a new space, completely renovated, and locked the lease in for five years the same rate and saved the taxpayers fifty grand. That's one day, one move, one lease. And you're worried about 11000 one time? Let, let's talk about leadership in general in the public sector. Because we have a lot of conversations here of where Erie's going and, you know, and the investments, you know, over over a billion dollars now, when you think about it, uh, all across uh, the downtown uh, corridor and 12th Street and some of the other things that are happening here. Um, you, you know, you have strong leadership in the public sector. You have strong lead, or excuse me, in the private sector, in the in the nonprofit sector. Um, I think you would consider yourself a strong leader, uh, but. Do you see that in the go- in the government is the leadership up to the task of really where Erie needs to go? When we're looking at the next five years, do we have the strength in the public sector to make this work to turn the turn the page? Well, I mean, performance reflects leadership. You know what I mean? It, it takes people stepping forward. You know, I mean, I'm no different. You know, I'm not the be all end all. It's going to take a team effort, you know, but I mean, there's a lot of folks that talk and then some that do. And I mean, I talked about this six, seven years ago and I said, this is what I'm going to do. And now here I am doing it. You know, it's going to take folks like that, you know, and honestly, I mean, you look at all the different councils, you look at all the different school districts, you look at all your township supervisors. It's all these folks that want to sit on the sidelines and talk about how it could be done better, but I don't see your name on the ballot. You know, those are the folks that really, if you're out there listening to this and you think like, hey, I've got the solutions. I run a business, you know, I'm a stay-at-home mom and I know how to rub two nickels together to make a quarter. I mean, those are the folks with that lived earned experience that understand what it is to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. You know, Senator Laughlin and I, I mean, we're kind of cut from that same cloth. We're working class people that got tired of what our government was doing and what they weren't doing. And you got to be a part of that change. You know, I mean, if you if you want Looney Tune government, I mean, you look no further than the city council race. I mean, you look at the dysfunction that, that's going to be there. I mean, private sector companies look at local government, and if you can't provide that stability, they're not going to invest there. You know, I mean, I mean, I had a guy flat out tell me when we talked about Amazon, you know, looked at all the stuff that went on in city council years ago. And, you know, let's take it outside and all the other silliness and the Sonia Arrington scandal and... You know, they said, well, Amazon didn't want to invest here because of that's Mickey Mouse government. And those distribution centers ultimately went other places. You know, like you've got to provide that strong leadership. And, you know, it doesn't come without discourse. It doesn't come without disruption. You know, I know know a lot of folks have been critical of my leadership. Oh, you're just disrupting everything. Well, newsflash, that's precisely what I'm here to do. You know, that's why I was elected. There's 190,000 people that reside outside the city of Erie and a whole bunch of them that are in the city of Erie that haven't gotten anything for their tax dollars for 30, 40, 50 plus years. And they want to do something. These are people of all races, all different walks of life that stop me on the street and say, keep doing what you're doing. 
they all know the monies went down the same old towers and trickled down to the same old places with very little benefit for decades. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to live here more than a couple years to know that's the reality of Erie community. Disruption is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Cell phones, the internet, cars. You look at all the different things that have come, come in, in, in technologically to disrupt the market. Yeah, there's downsides to everything, but it took somebody to challenge the status quo to say that we can do it better. We're going to disrupt it, but I'm going to tell you, we're going to take it to the next level too. You can't disrupt something and then not build taller. And that earn and learn program, that's just one example. You know, we, we've got to keep doing it. Are we up to the task? A hundred percent. Because I know the team that I have and the folks I surround myself with, we will not accept failure. We can't accept failure. We're going to disrupt the system, but we're going to build back better than we ever have. And that should be the goal. You know, yeah. I mean, you got to break a few eggs along the way to make an omelet. And that's unfortunate, but you know what I mean? You got to make a mess in the kitchen sometimes. And we're prepared to do that too, if we need to. We'll leave it there. County Executive Brenton Davis, thanks for joining us again. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com. <laughs>